Hello again. So, contain your excitement. Today, I want to talk to you about Gantt charts. I know it's exciting, isn't it? I can't tell you how much I hate Gantt charts. Why, you might ask? Well, because they're the greatest work of fiction since Facebook declared it cared about user privacy. I think in 27 years of working in digital, I haven't once worked on a project that stuck even vaguely to its timeline laid out in a Gantt chart. Trying to map the entirety of a digital project from the very start is like a work of futility. And yet, time and time again, executives and clients ask for it. The truth of project planning is that really we can only be confident in how a project starts and maybe the first few weeks. The further into the future we go, the less we can be sure of. But for a moment, let's imagine a world where that was possible, where we could tell the future. Well, I would argue that when it comes to digital projects, actually that kind of upfront planning is still a terrible idea. You see, to my mind, digital has got two distinct advantages over many other types of projects. For a start, there are no raw materials as such, no inherent costs outside of labour. Pixels, you see, are free, aren't they? And then secondly, it's easy with digital to gather detailed data about user behaviour and their characteristics. And these advantages enable a much more flexible approach to project management, an approach that adapts based on what we learn through user research. And of course, that reduces the risk of the project failing and it improves the final quality. Now, this ability to adapt as we learn is going to be completely negated if the project has all been planned out uh, up front in some kind of Gantt chart. In those kinds of scenarios, that anything that's perceived as scope creep becomes the enemy. You must stick to the plan, come what may, irrelevant of what you learn on the way. So if we're saying that upfront planning is right and that Gantt, ch uh, Gantt charts suck, then what do we do instead? We can't just simply make things up as we go along. But we can introduce points in our project plan that allow us an opportunity to pivot and adapt. So instead of a linear project plan, if you can imagine such a thing, is more of a, a, a process that branches off, allowing for adaptation at various points. I tend to define these kinds of points specific intervals in the project um, and, and have those points to allow adaptation in order to retain some kind of control over the direction and to re basically reassure stakeholders that the project isn't some free-for-all. We have specific times for adaptation. Now, to achieve this, I tend to break most reasonably large digital projects down into four distinct work packages, each of which informs the next. So these are typically the discovery work package, which happens at the beginning of a project. And that's where you gather your background information and specify what needs to be done at the highest level by identifying things like user needs, business goals and constraints. Then following the discovery phase, I normally have some kind of alpha phase. And this is where we create a detailed specification of what we're going to create in the form of a prototype 
that we can then test with real users. And then based on what we learn, we can iterate and adapt. Then following that, we have the build phase. And this is where the digital service is built at scale. And we use the specification, the prototype from the alpha um, to define what we're gonna build. Some testing will still be carried out in that phase, but the changes are likely to be more limited because the cost of change is higher. Then finally, there's once we've gone live, there's the live phase. And this includes really any post-launch optimization and will involve further refinements based on how users respond to the digital service in the real world. So really, initially, at the start of a project, we're only going to be planning and pricing the cost of the discovery phase. However, once that discovery phase is done, it's going to provide us with enough information and the scope so we can plan the alpha phase. And the alpha phase is going to allow us to scope and plan the build. So effectively, each phase informs the next, allowing us to produce a much more accurate project plan. Furthermore, you can quickly adapt between phases. So, for example, your discovery phase might conclude that the project isn't viable and that you should stop before you waste too much time and energy. Alternatively, the alpha might morph the service from being, say, a website to a mobile app. Finally, there will still need to be some adaptation within each phase itself based on the user feedback and testing that you do. However, because of the limited scope of each of these phases, it's going to be relatively easy to predict the amount of testing and therefore time for iteration that you're going to require. So in short, this kind of approach is much easier to manage, leads to more accurate project planning, and as a result, reduces the risk. You're not committing to a massive project. Instead, you're committing to the next stage, and that's it. If that stage fails, if the project doesn't look like it's viable, very little is lost. And that works particularly well when you're engaging an outside supplier because you're not committing to the entirety of the project with a supplier that might not be proven yet. At its heart, my problem with project charts and by extension upfront planning is that it gives us false confidence. We act like we know the future when we don't. At best, we're making educated guesses, and at worst, those Gantt charts are used as a weapon to beat team members around the head when they fail to hit milestones. So, my plea to you is that we all stop lying to ourselves and to our stakeholders and other people, and be honest about what we know and what we don't know when it comes to project planning.